0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, Jason.
1: Hi, Joni.
0: (laughs) This is a different podcast, everybody listening, because I'm in LA with my brand new twin grandbabies, and Jason is in Florida. So we're talking all the way across the country today.
1: And congratulations about the birth. That's really exciting.
0: Thank you. They are just the most amazing little people. They're just so cute. <laughs> well, there you go.
1: Clean, blank slates, ready to learn and take on the world.
0: Exactly. I'm, I'm so in love with both of them. They're just as cute as they can be. Well, when we were, ta- we were going to record a week ago, when my computer decided to die... Um, one, <laughs> one of the things we were going to talk about, we did talk about lactating cookies. I know we're not going to do that again.
1: Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. I forgot but, about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I forgot never about went that. Up, so, um, but one of the things w- that you had blogged about, and we can either talk about that or we can talk about something else because it's been a week since we were going to do that. You were talking, uh, you wrote a blog about not calling addicts, addicts.
1: Right, uh, there's a um, you know, it seems like in society as we evolve, we create different political, polit- politically correct standards for things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things being discussed now is whether or not we should call an addict an addict, or should we refer to them as a person with a um, with an addiction? So basically, you be separating. The person from their condition. Does that make sense? Yes. So I was reading this article that actually made some valid points in that regard. You know, you have a person that's addicted to drugs, right? So you have a person that's using drugs because that's a solution to whatever problems they're dealing with in life. Right. And from those behaviors um come a condition. The condition is addiction, right? Right. And so A lot of times when you are talking about an addict, you're lumping a person in, like the person, the being, with their condition and identifying them by that condition. And so there's some talk out there about, well, wouldn't it make more sense to separate it? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to be called... Like if I was like, I mean, this might be kind of an odd example, but if like... I wouldn't want to be identified as a diabetic as that's who I am. I am per- I might be a person with diabetes, but my whole entire life isn't as a diabetic. And it's the same thing with addiction.
0: That's right. It's a condition. It's a condition you have. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: At Narcanon, we don't identify our, the people that are here getting help as addicts. We actually call them students. Now, what's really cool about that is that a lot of rehabs will identify them as patients, which implies that they're sick The a patient is someone that's sick. You right. know, according to most people, the way that they would perceive that word. And so we call them students because they're not sick. They're not diseased mm-hmm. and they're learning. They're here to learn how to live life without drugs and how to handle life's problems without needing to get high.
0: Exactly. And
1: so, you know, I thought it was interesting about the whole idea of this behind separating the condition from the person. It's because if you think about it, think about all the stigmas and judgments that are placed on a person when they're called an ad. Right. Like, what's the first thing you think of when you hear the word ad?
0: You know, it's funny you say that because um, I, I think of, you know, the guy down on the street corner who's in the dirty clothes, who's shooting up, who right. is, you know, you know, fairly degraded looking, and, you know, and one of the things that was interesting to me, and this is just, I mean, it's almost ridiculous to say it, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, was when I was at Narcanon, and I looked at these beautiful, clean-cut young people who are, you know, getting sober, and learning how to stay sober, and they didn't look like whatever the stereotype is of an addict.
1: Right. I mean, let, let's just call it what it is. Most people think of like a dirty junkie. Exactly. And, you know, that and that's not uncommon. That's what most people picture in their mind when they hear of an addict or they, they hear the word addict. Right. And so the fact of the matter is back in the day, sure, the act was the guy shooting up onto the bridge or whatever. But nowadays it's like the clean cut all American teenagers are the ones who are becoming addicts. Right. And so that old stereotype of an addict kind of has to go away, and that's what this article I read was talking about. Um, it was the Associated Press. Actually, they have this publication called the Associated Press Style Book, and this style book is used a lot in regards to word usage and like what's considered okay, what's considered not okay, and it's more of like a society something that sets like a societal norm, and it's picked up by a lot of different organizations and uh, media institutions and so they're trying to push for the fact that you know maybe we should stop calling them addicts just because of all the negative connotations that comes with it now in some fields of recovery you're considered an addict for your entire life like once you've got that condition like you're stuck with right and we i don't necessarily believe that i don't either and when i when i was in 12-step recovery they said, and I, this is even before I knew anything about an when I was in a 12-step rehab, I was going to AA meetings and going to NA meetings. They were like, you're an alcoholic or you're an addict for the rest of your life. I said, wait a second, am I, am I an addict right now? And they said, well, yeah, of course you are. You're always going to be an addict. I said, well, I don't understand. Right now, I'm not addicted to anything. Right now, I've managed to put a little bit of time together and I'm clean, so how could I still be an addict if I'm not currently addicted to something?
0: Wow. And they didn't
1: have a response. They didn't have a response to that.
0: No, because it's too logical.
1: It's way too logical. It's, an, it's way, way, way too logical. And it's interesting to see the looks on the faces of our students when they first come in and we tell them they're not diseased and they're not like, you know, once an addict, always an addict. Right. And it, it kind of blows their mind because they've been so indoctrinated with the idea they're always going to have this quote unquote condition. Right. They're always going to be an addict. There's nothing they can do about it and that they can do, you know, certain things every day to keep it at bay. But realistically they're screwed. Right. Nothing they can do. That's a real dismal outlook.
0: It just goes against, I, you know, it really goes against everything that, you know, I believe in, in terms of, you know, the human spirit and man and, you know, how powerful he is and how he can get better. And, Ever since I heard of that, you know, like, oh, you're an alcoholic, you'll always be an alcoholic, you can never even have a sip of alcohol, or you're going to be right back to being an alcoholic. I'm like, that just doesn't make sense to me. That implies that man can't get better. Right. And that's just not true.
1: Right. And your condition has always changed. Right. And you you can always change it for the better. And the, the, the foundation of everything here is that, you know... Drugs are a solution and alcohol is a solution to a problem for the people that use it in a way that gets them into trouble. Right. And so if you handle the underlying causes, the condition ceases to exist. Right. Or it just changes to a better state of existence. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I never really was a big proponent of that, of thinking about addiction in that way, even before knowing what it is that I know now. Right. And, um, you know
0: well that's what i'm saying a lot- there's a there's a basic belief that we all have that we can get better and we can do anything that we choose to do and we can set our sights on any goal and achieve those goals and so when you run into some you know common standard you know viewpoint that that's not true and that for some people they can't get better I just, I don't buy that. It just goes against, it goes against the grain in me, even before I knew Narconon or you or anybody else, you know? I mean,
1: what what's the point of trying to get sober if you never get better?
0: Exactly.
1: And that's like, it, it, it used to put me in such an apathetic mindset
0: Yeah. when I was
1: in that type of recovery, because it just, it was like, I'm never going to get better. I just have to kind of like deal with this. And I didn't, I just, like I said, I still don't like that idea. And yeah. it, it doesn't sit well. It doesn't sit well.
0: It doesn't sit well with me either, you know, and I can see it from the viewpoint of an addict that you go, what's the point? Why should I even right. do rehab if it's not going to work? And if I can never get better anyway and stay better, why do it? Yeah, it's
1: like I might as well go out and just shoot dope because I'm always an addict and, you know, whatever. You know, the other thing that they talk about is that relapse is a part of recovery. I know we've t- touched on this in previous uh, episodes. No, we haven't. This is a new
0: one, Jason. I haven't heard this one before. Relapses are part of recovery. Right. What is, what does that even mean?
1: That, you know, (laughs) everybody's going
0: to do it. Everybody's going to relapse because that happens to everybody when they try to get better.
1: And that's part of, and that's a part of getting better is using drugs. So they basically tell you that you're not going to you're not going to get it the first couple of times okay. because relapse is a part of the process.
0: You can't see my face cause you're not here with me cause you're in Florida and I'm in LA, but the look on my face is so disgusted right now because it's just, it's just really a disgusting viewpoint.
1: Yeah. I go. mean, unfortunately it is what it is. Um, and so, you know, like I said before, I don't like to knock it too much because lots of people get sober that way. Um, for me and for a lot of other people that I know and for all the students that come through Narconon doesn't work for them. And it's like, they almost tell you that this is probably not going to work for you. Like right out the gate. And right. it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, But, um, I wanted to change gears here for a second. So, you know, a lot of what we talk about involves like the opiate epidemic, right? Right. Like we are in the middle of a humongous opiate crisis right. and, Unfortunately, things don't look like they're quite getting better yet, (laughs) as much as I'd like them to. Um, I read about one county in Ohio, where since January, they've had 365 overdose deaths. What? 365 overdose overdose deaths in one county in Ohio. Right now, Ohio is like in the crosshairs of the opiate problem, like, a lot of people think of, like, when they think of the heroin problem, at least my mind used to go to, like, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, like that, like the whole Northeast. Right. There's been a, a huge problem there. But Ohio actually is uh, has the highest rate of overdose deaths in the country.
0: That's unbelievable.
1: Which had me thinking, like, why that was. Like, what makes Ohio so, so special? I mean, it's kind of like just a random state in the middle of the country. And then I started thinking about it, that there's major highway intersections that all intersect in Ohio. Hmm. There's high main highways from the East Coast, main highways from the West Coast, main highways coming uh from the south, and main highways coming from the north. So it looks like this is like a major hub where all of not only the heroin is coming in, but the fennel's coming in and all the synthetic drugs are coming in from China um, and the cartels in Mexico are shipping them in, and we're also getting methane. Wow. And so you know, I thought this was an astounding statistic.
0: That's like two Where a day it, in one county. We're not even in talking one about county, a state.
1: Not even the whole state, in one county. And, you know, it's, it's fentanyl again. You know, fentanyl and other synthetic opiates that are getting mixed with the heroin are killing that many people in such a short amount of time in Ohio, of all places. Wow. It's unbelievable.
0: It is unbelievable, I, but you would never think of it. You think of okay, drug epidemics. You think Miami, New York, L.A. Right, because those are the big cities. Maybe Chicago, but Ohio. You kind of go, what's in Ohio?
1: Right. And that's why I looked at a map. I looked at a map. I don't know what made me do that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that's what it looks like. That there be a major, um, just major roadways coming in there from all different parts of the country. That would make it a main distribution hub, in my mind. Interesting. They're they're looking they're, they're, that the corners of the county out there are really freaked out because one, that's a lot of deaths in a short amount of time, so they're worried about what the rest of the year is going to bring. Right. The other kind of sick part of it is they don't have room to store all the bodies. Oh God. And it's like, oh my. It's like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah, really? This
1: is, this, is, this is insane. And, you know, it's because of problems like this that I'm glad a place like Narconon exists. Yeah. Because like, I've lived in the middle of this stuff. I've lived in the middle of uh, different areas like Miami, Massachusetts, where the heroin problem is outrageous. And so you, I was used to being around a lot of people that were overdosing, that were using heroin, and thought there was no way out. Mm-hmm. And these people would cycle in and out of like these, these like state-funded detoxes. And what they would do, they called it spin-drying, like you're in a washing machine.
0: Wow. And that's
1: actually, yeah, that's actually the literal analogy there. <laughs> you're, they, call, they call it spin-drying because they know they're not going to get clean. But they can go into detox. They can take other medication to get off everything, kind of get the heroin out of their system, come back out just to... <laughs> Just to do it again, and I talked to one guy who was uh, who had just gotten out and started using again. And I said to him, he worked at a restaurant that I worked at. And I said, "Why? I don't understand. Like, why? If you got clean, why would you? Why are you doing this?" He said, "Oh, because I want to bring my tolerance back down. My tolerance got too high, and I had to use too much. And so going to detox is a great way to like bring your tolerance back down. So then when you get out, you can just get higher with less of a amount of the drug." Wow, and so many of these people get into this just really sick cycle mm-hmm. of utilizing state-funded detoxes and rehab and stuff like that, literally just to get a break from the drug. Not even with the mindset that they're, they're trying to go get clean, but that they're trying to trying to lower their tolerance.
0: Wow, nuts, wow. huh? It's crazy. <laughs> That's just nutty. nutty.
1: It's, but here's the thing. But but
0: it's, if you don't know that you can actually get better. And if you think that you absolutely have to have the drug in order to live, it's not a bad idea.
1: Right. I mean, but here's the thing. Like, I can have a ton of empathy for that because I got to a point in my life where I was pretty sure there was no shot at me getting better. And I've been told that by counts. that like, hey, you just got to like take your meds and hope for the best. It's like, oh, that sounds terrible.
0: I know you were a throwaway addict. You told me that's what they told you. And that's just like disgusting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, there was a point in time where I literally thought there's nothing I can do to get clean. And I under, it's like, it's hard because I understand that mindset. And I also know that it's not true. Right. I know that's entirely possible to get clean. And you know, the funny thing is, you know, how I always talk about like getting to the core root of your problems. Like, why you use drugs in the first place
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it solves a problem for you. Here's the interesting thing. After you you're using it for a little bit and you know, at the beginning you use the drug and it handles this and it handles that you feel better about yourself and all those different things. After a while you forget the problems that you're trying to solve with the drug right. because using drugs just becomes such an ingrained habit and like almost like a routine That after a while, you don't even know why you're – you just know that you have to. You know that if you don't, you're going to get sick or if you don't, you're going to have terrible cravings. You're going to feel lousy and all this stuff. And all you have or all I had was this idea that I can't survive without this. So it's funny because you'd think like just ordinarily that a person that was constantly using something else to solve their problems, they would like maintain – awareness of their problems and what problems that they have right right but you don't and so i had no idea and a lot of these guys have no idea what their problems are anymore. they don't even know why they, they they can't even tell you why they started using drugs necessarily they can just tell you when and what was kind of going on in their life but their awareness of their actual underlying problems aren't there
0: wow And mine
1: wasn't there like, I had, I did not recall the fact that I used cocaine to handle my low self esteem, my low self confidence, my social anxiety, and my, and my like overwhelming desire to be the life of the party. And I, I, I just had, I completely, I, I, I don't know if I can say I forgot, but I kind of did. It's like it just gets stuffed away for so long. That you for you, like anyone any any person that uses drugs you forget why you're even using all you know is you have to, and it's so it's like overwhelming compulsion every day mm-hmm. and so you know you get to the point yeah you don't even know why you use drugs and so it's really interesting when you start you know counseling people and you get them to remember that stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you get them to um, realize what their actual problems were that drugs became a solution to. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's really interesting to see them like, oh, they kind of like, go. Oh my God.
0: I can believe that.
1: So it's interesting because, you know, when people start to actually pinpoint their problems, it's when you, like I said, you really see a change in them. And it's kind of like, you have the aha moment. Mm-hmm. You remember like, Oh my God, that's exactly what I was trying to handle. Here's the thing, because when you take all the drugs away from a person, and you completely clean them out of the body, you're left with a person now that can feel emotionally and physically all the reasons they took drugs in the first place. And, they, and some of them will come up to me and say, okay, I did this on them, but like, now what? I feel this, I feel this, I feel this, I feel this, I feel this. I said, just wait. And so that's why the objectives course and life skills really help them deal with all that stuff. They actually handle those problems that they were medicating away. Got it. And it so it takes getting all the drugs out of the body for all a lot of those original sensations that drove them to use right. to get them to come back up so then they can be dealt with. Because if you take a person, you never get the drugs out, you don't handle their physical body, they're never gonna recall those reasons. Right. And so like back in the day, you could have counseled me until you're blue in the face. I would have just told you I'm fine. I don't know why I use it because I like drugs. That's what I would have told you. Right. And so, you know, it's interesting what will happen when you remove the drugs completely from person. And so those are the, some of the miraculous changes that you see a person make when they can actually confront and deal with those original reasons why they use drugs. Yeah. When there are stories like this coming out of Ohio, that's like, you know, uh, the coroner made, said, as a quote, and the quote was, I'm looking at 2,900 autopsies, and 2,000 of them are from overdoses.
0: Wow.
1: And I feel like that's so preventable. Yeah. And it's unnecessary and it doesn't need to happen. Right. And so I see stuff like that. Of course, it makes me somewhat sad, mm-hmm. but it also, I feel like I'm at a causative point. Where I can report this stuff to all the people that you know follow the blog and follow the Facebook and do all that stuff, make them really aware. That's right of what's happening. Because it's like a lot of people out there have this utter unawareness. Yep. Of what's going on, they'll, they'll see it on the news and just turn it off and turn on something else, just not look at it, kind of block it out. And you've got people in the middle of it who are using that think it's like their manifest destiny. Right. That they're either gonna just gonna go out like this because that's just what is in the cards for them. Right. It's like I wanna like <laughs> stand on the mountaintops and scream at these people. It's unnecessary. You guys don't it doesn't have to be like that. Right. I take a of stance and like saying, Okay, I'm gonna report this stuff and bring everyone's awareness up.
0: I think it's a good idea because in the same way that we started, we were talking about like what's the stereotypical addict. Well you don't think, when you think drug addiction, or when I think drug addiction, I don't think Ohio and opioids. I no. think the streets of New York and heroin.
1: That's what most people, but that's what most people think.
0: Exactly. So the more that you get the word out that, no, 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 we're not talking about the bums on the streets of New York and Miami. We're talking about the college kids and the high school kids in Ohio on opioids,
1: Right. And it's you know? and it's college kids and, and, and realistically, yes, I mean, in Ohio, it's like the epicenter of all this. But it's college kids and high school kids and the clean cut kids from affluent families and all that. Those are who are becoming addicts these days. Right. It's not just like a poor people problem. It's not just like people that live in the slums or it's not just people that live in Iowa. It's like this is everywhere to the point where you can't like really rule out that anybody at any given point could create an addiction. That's right. That's, That's right. where we're at. Like when I was a kid, like, like I had the same idea of an addict you had. Actually my idea of an addict was my Uncle Steven.
0: Mm-hmm. It was like
1: don't be like Uncle Steven. Don't be like him. You know he was addicted to crack cocaine and it and he was kind of dirty and he kinda of popping in and out. He was all over the place and a little weird and that that was my idea of an addict. Right. And now it's like no, like an addict, like doc, People don't realize doctors are becoming addicts because of their readily ready, ready access to drugs. Right. I had, I knew of a doctor that I worked with that had gotten caught because after he closed down his practice for the night, everyone everyone went home. He set himself up on a Demerol IV, and he passed out. And the next morning, the nurses found him. Wow, and he was like, you know, he stripped of his medical license, had to go to blah blah blah. Yeah. So it's so we're at the point where doctors, lawyers, even mayors—what was that guy's name in, in Ontario? Rob Ford.
0: I don't know. I don't. There you, was a, there was you a, do a, the yeah. News. Rob, I don't do the news. Uh, Rob
1: Ford. He was the mayor of uh, of Toronto, in Canada, and he he was always in the news because he was like caught smoking crack and like all this like crazy stuff. It's like. Anybody literally can become an addict. It's no longer like those stereotypical people that become addicts. It's like anybody. Right. My mom and dad can become an addict. I mean, it's like that's where we're at. And so people need to get this like negative connotation or sort of stereotype of who an addict is like out of their minds.
0: That's right. Because
1: all that does is hinder you.
0: That's right.
1: And it, it makes you possibly not see something that's there that you can do something to help with,
0: you know yep I think the fact that you continuously put this news you know out on social media and put it out where you put it out, I think is super valuable. I'll give you kind of a offhand example of something similar. The uh public defender in Pinellas County started up a program to feed um kids on the weekend who don't have food right and he found that there were something like seven thousand kids in Pinellas county who would leave school on Friday, they'd be on the lunch program, come back Monday morning not having eaten the whole weekend. Oh, wow. And I meant, I mentioned this to a friend of mine, and she actually didn't believe me. And I kind of wanted to say, well, you need to wake up, you know, because everything is not suburbia. Right. <laughs> you know, and there are people who cannot afford to feed their children. But it's, it's I'm getting off track, but it's the same point that you have to continuously – Put the news out there, get people to be aware of it continuously on a, on a regular basis, because it's not an easy thing to confront. Drug addiction is not an easy thing to confront. And it's so much easier to go. That has nothing to do with me.
1: Absolutely.
0: Guess what? It does. And we, <laughs> It doesn't matter who you are. It has something to do with you. And
1: we all have a responsibility. That's right. You can't think, well, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect my family. That, that you, have, you can't think that you have no responsibility because we all have a responsibility. And all of us is like humans. That's right. We're all part of mankind, right? We're all a whole, to the one big giant group. And we're all responsible for this stuff. That's right. And even if it's like sharing something on your Facebook, getting the word out, volunteering somewhere, helping with something, you know, anything, because it's our society that will ultimately crumble and die if we don't. That's right. Because, I mean, all of life is a matter of survival. That's all we're trying to do is constantly survive on a daily basis. And if we don't survive the species, like what, what's going to happen?
0: That's right. And
1: this drug problem isn't a good indication of where we're headed.
0: Yep. And if you want to even bring it even closer to home, I mean, I think you said in one of the podcasts, now so much it's not that people are driving inebriated, it's that they're driving under the influence of drugs. Oh, yeah. And so when you're out there driving on the road, you have no idea the mental cognizance of anybody that's driving near you.
1: But most people who are driving under the influence of drugs are driving under the influence of prescription drugs because they don't see the connection between taking the Xanax the doctor prescribed them that they take, you know, as prescribed, they don't abuse it, and getting behind the wheel of a car is a problem because mm-hmm. a person's actually taking. Like, in in the instance of Xanax, a person is effectively taking tranquilizer and then getting in their car and and, and operating that on public roadway.
0: And that's what I'm saying. And you're taking your life in your hands. So I may not have any addicts in my family. I may not even know anybody personally that's addicted to drugs. But when I'm out there on the road, it could very definitely affect me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, like I said, so many people out there think it's a prescription. My doctor gave it to me. I'm not driving on influence drugs. They don't even think about that. Right. It literally doesn't even, like, spark anything in their mind that what they're doing is dangerous. Because the ever-trusted physician gave it to them Right. for a medical condition, so to speak. And there's nothing wrong with taking that and operating heavy machinery, driving a car, doing whatever it is that they do. And that's kind of a scary point that we're at. Mm-hmm. Is that, in my opinion, there are more people out there driving under the influence of something than who aren't. Right. And statistics are showing that. I mean, with the rate of addiction and the amount of, uh, that prescription drugs are prescribed, there's a lot of people on there's a lot of people on drugs out there driving on the roadways. Your loved one.
0: Yep. And that's
1: scary to me. That's really that's for me. That's frightening.
0: Yep. I think so. That's why, Actually, you know, that's why we do have to all take responsibility. The drug problem is not just only the people who are taking drugs and their friends and family. It's really all of our problem, right. you know, and until yeah. we all take some kind of responsibility for it, you know, it's not going to go away.
1: Right. And like I said, the one thing I, I love about doing this podcast is... Yeah, I like to put it in people's faces. Yep. I really do. Because how else is it going to get done?
0: That's right. It's not. No
1: one else. I feel like no one else is going to do it. I might as well take responsibility for what I can do.
0: That's exactly right. It's exactly and, right. And,
1: put this, and not only put this in people's faces, but I don't want people to think, oh, well, all Jason and Joni do is talk about, like, bad news. It's like, well, yeah, there's a lot of bad news out there. And I do like to cover it. But I also like to constantly tell people there is a solution for this. Y'all just have to know about
0: it. Right. Y'all
1: have to be aware that it exists. That's
0: right. We are giving you hope because there is hope. You're not an addict forever. If it's your loved one or your friend, they're not an addict forever. They're not sick forever. There's Narcanon, And you need to know about it. If you don't know about it, and if you know somebody that's got a problem, you need to find out about it. And the thing I think that is so cool is that you can call them and it's anonymous or you can go to the website and beautiful Cesara will get on there and she will chat with you. You don't even know how to tell them your name, you know?
1: Nope. Uh, yeah. And I always encourage anybody to reach out even if it doesn't affect you, even if it's your neighbor Yep. and make a phone, make a phone call. You might be able to do something that help save their lives.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. I think we're done for today. Jason, what do you think?
1: I think we've covered a lot of good stuff today. I think we've uh, let some people know what's really happening. And I, I hope I hope we've empowered some people to take some positive steps in the right direction to help anyone close to them or even not close to them, to anyone in general.
0: I do too. And I really want to tell anybody that's listening, especially if you are an addict, you're in charge of your own destiny and you can do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be. And if you've got some stops or barriers, you need to either pick up the phone and call Narcanon and I don't have the phone number with me today sorry but you can go to narcanonsuncoast.org and it's right there narcanon and dot uh,
1: yep. yeah, narcanonsuncoast.org yep. and I want to pound away again that nobody has to die from addiction it's completely oh my god
0: yeah, please don't wait Simply. that long if you're concerned about somebody you know call today
1: and we'll be here to help there you go as always you we'll always continue to be Um, it was a pleasure talking to you remotely, Joni. Yes,
0: you have a good trip and I will have a good trip, uh, but next week we'll be remote again because I'll still be in LA and you'll still be in Florida. So we'll talk again next week. You got it. We'll talk to you then. Okay. Bye-bye, Jason. Bye, Joni.